spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Gentlemen, boys and girls, it is the third hour of the program on a Friday. I got an hour and then I got to go like do squats at the gym and not throw up. Welcome. <laughs> I'm, I just, I have tried all day long to come up with an excuse to weasel out of going to the gym and I can't come up with a good one. I, I'm, I tried to get like the plague and didn't work. I don't want to go to the gym this afternoon. I can't get out of it now. And now my kid says he's going to join me, but that's okay. So it'll be father, son, try not to throw up afternoon. Fun times. The phone number, if you want to be on this exciting program, <laughs> uh, really uh, happy to have you. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a nice day outside and I'd rather play golf, but that's okay. Um, here with you now. I want to take your phone calls this hour. It is an open line Friday. Uh, I will start actually, you know, I, I might as well. T-Bone's been waiting. Uh, yep. We, we got a caller, uh, and, and we're going with T-Bone. T-Bone, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. I've got a question. I saw Representative Stanek, uh, questioning Claudine Gay, and she asked, um, if it was against, uh, Harvard's rules to call for the extinction of Jews, and she said it depends on the context. So I wish Representative Stefanik had said, what context is it okay to do that with? So it, she is did actually anybody? ask that um, with one well, of them, and I think fair. it was the, the University of Pennsylvania woman who gave a legalese answer, of what's the context? So here's why this comes up. I'm glad you brought this up because people need to remember this. Um, so he, what Claudine Gay said, Elise Stefanik's question was, uh, is it under your code of conduct uh, acceptable to call for the extermination of the Jews or the genocide of the Jews? And Claudine Gay says it depends on the context. In fact, they all three, uh, MIT, Harvard, and UPenn said it depends on the context. Now, I want to tell you something that you might not hear from a lot of people, and that is that their answer was actually correct. You got to listen to me, though. Don't, don't be mad and hang up. Listen to me. Under the academic codes of conduct of these institutions, standing in a public square with a megaphone saying death to the Jews, 
is a matter of free speech. Going up to a Jewish person and saying, death to you Jews, is a violation of the code of conduct because it's not speaking generally, it's targeted speech to harass someone. The problem that Elise Stefanik was getting at in her questioning was that Harvard, when you say death to the Jews, applies it as its school policy intends it to be applied. However, same scenario, you stand in the public square and speak generally death to the trans community. Harvard will expel you. Same thing. You're not going up to a trans person and saying, you transgender people should die. You're not doing that. You just stand in the public square saying um, transgender should die. Harvard will expel you. But if you stand in the public square and you say all Jews should die, Harvard will say that's free speech. And what Elise Stefanik was getting at is in your, your context answer is you're treating Jews differently from other classes of people. And they are, and that's the problem. Now, the solution that progressives have begun to advocate is, well, you know, we should wrap Jews into DEI as well. See, the, the theory behind Jews not being protected is that they're just white Europeans, white European colonizers. In the grand scheme of the intersectional uh, breakdown of peoples on planet Earth, the Jews are considered white European colonizers and therefore in the oppressor class. So you can say any awful, terrible thing you want about them and get away with it. problem is that, well, the Jews were actually colonized by a group we call the Palestinians. It's actually the Palestinians who are the colonizers. It, it, it actually is the Palestinians who are the colonizers. Um, it is the Jews who are the native dwellers of that area of the world. And it's documented in thousands year thou multi-thousand-year-old documents. You may be familiar with this passage. I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That would be Exodus 3.8. Or here's Deuteronomy 26.9. Then the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror signs and wonders, and he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Just not oil. Just not oil. <laughs> if you're a, if you're Israeli, you can laugh at that because you, you, you know, that's the punchline of the joke. God brought you to a land flowing with milk and honey, just not oil. <laughs> Only spot in the Middle East where you're not going to find it. But you got your milk and you got your honey. Um, it, it's it's well documented. Uh, the 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 Jewish people were the original 
people in the land. Now, they took over from the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Intermarried over time, ex- uh, some exterminated, but they're they're the native they're the native people. the The Palestinians aren't even a people. The Palestinians aren't a nation. The Palestinians aren't a tribe. The Palestinians are literally not a people. They are an amalgamation of peoples from different areas who live in that area who came to be called Palestinians when the Romans decided to expel the Jews from their native land, from the land of Israel and Judea. And the result, they allowed in multiple tribes, and then over time, uh, the Arab invaders conquered them and converted them. But there were always Jews in the land. They always remained. They were never completely expelled. And when the Ottomans took over from the Byzantines, the Jews started flowing back to the land. And when you get to the League of Nations, and then you get to the United Nations, the League of Nations before World War I, and then you get to the United Nations after World War II, there is a sustained call for the Jews to have their own land back. Not new land, but to have their land back. Well, it, it really is funny, and it turns everything on its head. The Palestinian people are actually the colonizers. But because of their skin color, and it really is the racism of the intersectional left, because they are darker-skinned people, they are presumed to be the oppressed colonized. And because the Israelis are lighter-skinned people who were purged out of their land, many of them wound up in Europe because of those purges of the Roman Empire, they are lighter-skinned people. They are presumed to be the colonizer. It is all because of the amount of melanin in their skin that the left has made this decision, and they actually have the history turned upside down. The Jews are the natives. The Palestinians are the ones who colonized it. Now, back to the phones. Matt, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, uh, I want to talk about biscuits. I was listening well, to Let's talk replay. about food. I haven't eaten and I'm starving. <laughs> Good call. Well, all right. Um, so my favorite, Hardy's has a good biscuit, but the one that beats it is Bojangles. Cajun chicken, egg and cheese biscuit. Uh, I'm going to have to go on a field trip, aren't I? Yep. Okay, so good. now I got I to gotta back an up. important one for you to try. So I, I, the other day, folks, the start of this new year, I mentioned I, I had a biscuit from Chick-fil-A, and I've been been watching what I eat. I've been cutting back on calories, but I decided I'm going to start the year with Chick-fil-A biscuit. And they're good, but they get steamy and gummy. And and I just, I, I don't, now I'm going to have to go find a Bojay. We used to have one, but it went out of business um, in our area. But there is a Hardee's. And, and my wife and I love the Hardee's biscuits because they're crunchy on top. They got a buttery, pillowy center. They always load it up with a good amount of egg and bacon. Um, I'm, I'm going to, so that now it's, it's, you mentioned, so it's like the Cajun chicken. Is that what it is? Yeah, they they uh, it's a well the whole place is Cajun chicken, but their chicken fillet breakfast is a Cajun battered uh, fried chicken biscuit. But you got so the the best thing to me about them is that they serve breakfast all day. Oh, okay, yeah, I I'm I'm gonna so. go have to find I I know there there's one about thirty minutes for me. I've never eaten at a Bojangles. I'm I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna you know now. Our listeners up in Connecticut are listening to us right now saying, a bow what? <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
I'm I, uh, up here Very we go. I, I've got a, a text from a friend of mine up in Rome, Georgia. Who says Bojangles is a superior biscuit. Good caller. Surprise, Charlie. Let him right. on. <laughs> I uh, made up that last part. When I said it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to have a field trip now, Matt. Thanks very much. Yes. All right. Bojangles. I'm I'm going to have to go find me a Bojangles now. Um, there, there's one about 30 minutes from where I live. There's one on the way to my in-laws as well. We're not headed there this weekend, though. But I, 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 will, I will never do this. All right, one more before I go to break. Thomas, welcome to the show. Yeah, my question is, do you think there's a large enough percentage of people that are anti-woke so to speak um but they're divided by party like there's you know 90 percent of republicans are against the woke culture and 30 percent of the democrats but their votes are divided because they they can't get together and vote away the wokeness okay so I, i'm glad you bring this up um because i actually think a majority of both parties are non-woke uh, and and I do, say, yeah. and and I know that that my hardcore partisan conservative friends will say, no, 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 the Democrats are full of no. Let let me explain this You're to you. And, right, and I've, yeah. I've got the data to back this up. In the 2022 midterms, every woke Democrat in like swing districts lost in the Democratic primary. Democrats, yeah. even in in more progressive leaning districts, tended to reject the wokes. Look at Nina Turner, the the woman from Ohio who's regularly run for Congress as a black progressive in a highly Democratic district, and the Democrats keep rejecting her level of wokeism. Now, there are some parts of the country, like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she can get elected in Brooklyn, very woke, but I think disproportionately the country isn't, and I actually think that most Democrats aren't either. Um, I actually think that most people recognize it's a deeply unhealthy mindset. But here's the problem. The Democratic Party in particular, there's a lot of fear about talking about this because the wokes are the most open and aggressive, and they're the most militant. And so though they may be the minority, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, and they squeak a lot. And so a lot of Democrats are quiet, but when they go vote in the primaries, they they purge them. Now, I realize this is hard for some of you to believe because we're all told how woke the Democratic Party is. The progressive wing of the party, very woke, and they are the loudest portion. They are disproportionately represented on television and they get the most attention. But when you actually pay attention to what happened in the Democratic primaries in 2022, Democratic voters, particularly black women, voted against them. They don't like them because black women who have worked hard to advance their children abhor the idea of a boy being able to get a a college scholarship um, from a girl over athletics. And they they despise the idea that boys could be in their girls' locker rooms. And that's what the wokes believe. And so the wokes keep getting rejected uh, by more and more people. Uh, I do just kind of perceive this situation at Harvard and with the, these answers on anti-Semitism and death to the Jews by these by these college presidents to be a tipping point. We're not going to suddenly rapidly shift away from it, but I think it's beginning to happen more and more. People on all sides of the aisle are realizing that this sort of ideology is just poisonous. You can follow Eric around on social media at EW Erickson on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And check him out at EWerickson.com.
Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. I mentioned this story earlier in passing, but I actually wanted to spend a few minutes with it. This is from Ambrose Evans Pritchard in the London Telegraph. Emergency lending by the U.S. For, oh, come. I'm already a subscriber. Why do I have to log in? Again? I... I understand why you have to log into these websites, but it sometimes is so frustrating, especially when I'm in the middle of beginning to read the story and then suddenly it says, hey, you haven't logged in in a while, and then you have to go back through it. So aggravating. The Europeans have just destroyed our modern internet. Those stupid little windows that pop up about the cookies almost makes you want to, like, like let Putin have it. The European bureaucrats who decided every time you go to a website, suddenly you have to, do you want cookies or not? No. Leave me alone. I do want cookies. I want chocolate chip ones. Nonetheless, emergency lending by the U.S. federal authorities has bathed America's struggling regional banks in short-term liquidity, disguising the slow burn damage of the U.S. commercial property slump. A sobering analysis by four of the country's leading finance experts says this comfort blanket has created a beguiling illusion of stability. The underlying crisis in the banking system continues to deepen as $5 trillion of commercial real estate debt taken out during the zero-rate era comes due in tranches. It's not a liquidity problem, it's a solvency problem, says Professor Tomas Piskorski, a banking specialist at Columbia University and one of the lead authors. Temporary measures have calmed the market, but half of all U.S. banks are running short of deposits with assets worth less than their liabilities, and we're talking about $9 trillion. They're bleeding capital and could not survive if something triggers a sudden loss of confidence. If a, It is a very fragile situation, and the Federal Reserve is watching it very closely. The Fed's pre-Christmas pivot in monetary policy, along with a 100-point drop in 10-year U.S. Treasury yields, mitigates the stress but comes too late, is too tentative, to avert mounting insolvencies, property developers must refinance their debts into the most hostile lending market in living memory, while falling rents and soaring insurance costs are eroding their revenue streams. Almost $1.5 trillion is coming due by the end of next year. The entire commercial real estate space has to be reset. No one really knows where the values are. This is something I've been paying attention to and I'm uh, rather worried about. There are a lot of regional banks that did a lot of the deals for commercial real estate. And I, this, I, I, the bills are coming due and you got empty offices now. And that's a very big deal. By the way, there's breaking news happening right now. Wayne Lapierre of the National Rifle Association is announcing his retirement. Wayne Lapierre, the NRA organization, has come under a lot of pressure recently, and they are he's announcing his retirement from the NRA. I'll get the details on this when we come back right after this commercial break. the courage to tell you the truth because the truth is what matters you're listening to the eric erickson show 
Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program, it is an open line Friday. Here it is. Uh, Wayne LaPierre is resigning as the NRA leader days before the start of a civil trial. He and three other current and former NRA leaders are facing a lawsuit alleging they violated nonprofit laws and misused NRA funds. Um, uh, LaPierre is, is the executive vice president, technically. Um, I, I, y'all, let's just acknowledge that the New York Attorney General targeted the NRA because of it being the NRA. Let's also acknowledge that the NRA leadership made it very easy. The lawsuit by the New York Attorney General alleges uh, that the NRA violated nonprofit laws and misused millions of dollars, uh, alleging that LaPierre diverted millions of dollars away from the group's charitable mission for his personal use of private jets, expensive meals, travel consultants, private security, trips to the Bahamas, the Attorney General claims LaPierre spent more than $500,000 of the NRA's assets to fly himself and his family members to the Bahamas and that the NRA incurred over a million dollars in expenses for private flights in which LaPierre was not a passenger. He received more than $1.2 million in expense reimbursements as well. The other defendants are accused of violating nonprofit laws and internal policies, enriching themselves, contributing to the NRA's loss of more than $64 million in three years. Oh, I might as well. So um, my buddy Brent is texting me right now, and he, he says, I love my job. I really do. But you have the best job. You get to live out Festivus every day and get paid for it. <laughs> I'm about to. I have a real problem with uh, some of these old school conservative organizations who have ceased to perform a useful purpose for many people. I stopped being supportive of the NRA and decided there were other um, Second Amendment groups that were far more um, willing and able to put points on the board. Uh, with, so I, I, Chris Cox of the NRA was involved with the, the political side of the NRA, and essentially when he raised concerns, they pushed him out. Uh, the NRA used to be a massive force for Second Amendment rights in the country, and they're really not anymore. They live off their name. They live off their brand. And I have such a problem with so many groups on the right these days with the same people in charge who have been there for 30 or 40 years. And they're just living off their name. They're, they're not actually putting points on the board anymore. They're just there. And the donors write them checks all the time because they, they, they write checks to the brand, but the brand doesn't do anything anymore. And I think the NRA is one of those groups, frankly. I don't think the NRA is very good at its job anymore, and it used to be fantastic, and it still does some good with training and certification and firearm schools, but actually putting points on the board for gun rights anymore. There are plenty of better groups out there that will defend the Second Amendment and gun owners of America. And yeah, gun owners of America is a good group. 
but it's not just the NRA. I, I look at what's happening with CPAC, where you've you've got, I mean, scandal. You've got very prominent, notable conservatives have left the organization raising red flags about the conduct of the present leadership. And it's no longer the conservative political action conference. It is the Trump political action conference. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, this isn't a criticism of Donald Trump. Don't hear it that way. Some of you get very defensive. Conservatism actually means something. Now, you can say it, it's no good. What does conservatism conserve? I'm a populist. I'm not conservative, whatever. But the conservative political action conference used to be a place where conservatives could go to talk about conservative policy and the advancement of the conservative agenda. And now it's part of a cult of personality. Most of Trump's most prominent supporters now say they're not even conservatives. They're populists or they're nationalists or conservatism hasn't done anything. That's fine. If you think conservatism is crap, that's fine. But this is supposed to be the conservative political action conference. It's not for you. It's for conservatives. And yet, uh, what does it do? And, and, and now you've got all the scandals and lawsuits involving uh, the, the leadership at, at CPAC and, and the American Conservative Union. What's the point? What's the point of it? They just you, they get checks from old people who don't know any better, and they they live off that. They grift off that is what they do. I was very disappointed a number of years ago when there's the massive turmoil at the National Rifle Association, and they pushed out the competent people, and it was very clear they pushed out the competent people. And it, what it was is there were a bunch of people on the board. The the, the red flags were raised by Ollie North and others that there were, was impropriety going on, and the same sets of people just decided to back the same sets of people, and it was a bunch of old people. Honestly, it was a bunch of seasoned citizens, we'll say respectfully, who want to go along to get along, who didn't want to rock the boat, and just couldn't realize there was a problem. And they opened themselves to the liability. Yes, they were absolutely targeted by the Attorney General of New York, but they made it so easy to be targeted, and they didn't have to. And time and time again, we see this in the conservative movement, and I'm sure it will happen in the progressive movement. But the progressive movement institutionally over time, has it's taken them longer to establish these outside groups that are of any value and meaning. They have some of the old groups out there, but those groups, I mean, look, probably one of the best ones examples is the Southern Poverty Law Center which is just an absolutely insane group of ill repute right now. It used to be a group that put points on the board, and very few pay people take it seriously anymore outside the left. At this point, the NRA is just something the left prattles on about and has no idea that it's not actually an effective institution on the right anymore. I don't know that the American Conservative Union is an effective institution. I, I think CPAC is a waste of time. And I don't say that because I got a competing conference. I got a competing conference because I've been thinking CPAC's been crap for a while. And then you've got like Turning Point USA and Charlie Kirk's group. And, and y'all, I just think that's a bunch of a, a, a grifting society. When you pay attention to some of the stories that have come out about how much money they're making off of this, I'm sorry. But if you can afford, I, I'm in talk radio. I know what people in talk radio make. If you've got multi-million dollar houses, you're not getting that off your talk radio salary. 
I mean, his particular syndicator is on the verge of bankruptcy. Anyway, there's no way. Um, Money's got to be coming from somewhere, and it sounds like it's coming from TPUSA. It certainly does from the Associated Press reporting. I just, these groups are just, to me, there are a bunch of people on the right, and this is what happens, and I, I mean this lovingly, not disrespectfully. There are a bunch of older, retired conservatives who want young conservatives to get involved, and they find out about these groups that promise to bring young people in, and they will write a check in a heartbeat. And the money goes to fund the parties of the people involved in the organizations, and they don't actually put any points on the board. The idea, for example, that TPUSA needs $100 million to fund a, a ballot access campaign in three states is garbage. As someone who's run ballot access campaigns, $100 million, you could fund the entire national get-out-the-vote apparatus. But they don't want you to know that. They think, well, we're young and we can do it better. No, you're not. You're spending $100 million in three states. You're going to get bigger houses and better boats. And it's the same thing with the NRA. Wayne LaPierre, I mean, best we can tell from the litigation and the documents uncovered, wardrobes, travel, private jets, things like that. Look, I want to fly in a private jet too. But I wouldn't, as the head of a nonprofit, use the nonprofit to fund my lifestyle. And too many of these groups on the right are doing it. Y'all, I'm just, I'm deeply concerned that too many of you well-meaning people are writing checks to and funding organizations on the right. You think you're making a difference, and you are being ripped off by a bunch of grifters. And I say this because you got to be more discerning. Because I'm afraid that in the last number of years, what we've seen on the conservative side is a bunch of people prop up institutions and they've decided they are get-rich-quick schemes. In the meantime, you think they're actually doing good stuff, and they're not. And it's, the, the grifters are crowding out the good groups. The grifters are crowding out the people who are putting points on the board. We actually do need great outside organizations to put points on the board, to advance the cause, to do ballot collection, to advance the Second Amendment, to protect citizens to advance the ideas of the conservative movement. And I think we're being disserved by sclerotic institutions that are rotting from the inside out. And at some point, they will fall over. And the gust of wind that may push them over may very well be a second Biden administration. If he gets another term, you know he's coming after these conservative groups, just like the New York Attorney General has done to the NRA. There will be targets on all their backs, and many of them will fall over because they have taken shortcuts. They have abused the trust of their donors, and it won't be persecution of the left. It will be the left targeting them, knowing how vulnerable they are. And too many of you won't believe it when the the facts come out about how they've wasted your money. There are great groups out there. You know, I, I, I'm thinking of the Heritage Foundation. I, I don't want to drag Kevin Roberts and the Heritage Foundation in, into this, but the Heritage Foundation is a group that has revitalized itself repeatedly. And Kevin Roberts, the president of the Heritage Foundation, is not only a great guy and a good scholar, but he's doing a very good job of trying to throw the needle. And by the way, Kevin is getting a ton of hate 
from from conservatives like why are you bringing these people in and why why are you allowing this to happen because kevin understands that the conservative movement has evolved over time has expanded and broadened and that some of the debates we have now we weren't having then but we should have those debates within an institution like the heritage foundation so they can play out and he's done a fantastic job of navigating that revitalizing an institution that was getting a little bit uh too big for its britches he's done a fantastic job of it i'm a big kevin roberts fan but then you got like the NRA that has essentially choked out all the fresh blood that wanted to do new things, better things, and more effective things and gone with the status quo. And then you've got the American Conservative Union where it just sounds like it's it's lobbyists lobbying and a cult of personality and doing things they shouldn't do and having conferences that really don't generate anything other than scandal these days. I mean, what's the point? If we're going to be giving our money to institutions so that they can live in the lap of luxury and not actually put points on the board for the conservative movement, what is the point? Not of conservatism, but of a group of people and a donor class of conservatives who fund this stuff so that we're paying for people to have a good time while America itself starts to to smolder. We either put points on the board or we don't. And a lot of these institutions, they're just not putting points on the board anymore. They're just allowing their executives, officers, and friends to live a lavish lifestyle. We, If we don't clean house, the other side will. I would prefer that we on our side clean up our institutions. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show, the perfect blend of news, analysis, opinion, and cooking. Yeah, cooking. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you. The phone number, well, it's too late for that. Let me do some. I've I've patently avoided raw politics for most of the day, but you should know. Chris Christie was on Hugh Hewitt's program yesterday morning and was very defensive about dropping out. Um, Hewitt essentially said, if you're not getting traction and you're not going up in the polls, why stay in when your supporters can go to someone else? He's very defensive about it. Uh, and then a, a poll, I think it was an Argus poll, came out that showed that uh, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump are now tied, well, within in the margin of error. She's like two points behind Donald Trump now in New Hampshire. It appears Chris Christie's voters have moved on without him. He had gone from double digits to beneath Ron DeSantis. Now, you should know, I, I can't remember, I, I, was, I can't remember the actual pollster. I said Argus, I'm not 100% sure it is. It actually is a terrible pollster, uh, not, a, not a fantastic pollster. However... I bring it up because it's not the only pollster in New Hampshire showing that Nikki Haley is suddenly gaining traction. And you don't have to, bl- and I know that polls, polls, nobody believes the polls, polls are bad. Donald Trump has suddenly aimed his fire at Nikki Haley uh, pretty aggressively, uh, aiming his fire. Now, St. Anselm, which actually is a pretty good pollster up there, has it 44-30, Trump Haley. Christie's at 12%. In, uh, a, Christie's just collapsing in New Hampshire. In fact, Christie is is collapsing far faster than DeSantis has collapsed in New Hampshire. It's it's very notable. 
Now, whether or not uh, Haley can pull this off, I mean, there's a growing consensus among Republicans that at this point there's no stopping Trump. Um, and you've got Republicans in the Senate falling in line. The DeSantis team continues to, to sell themselves this way, that the you still have to show up and spend time at a caucus, and DeSantis people are going to do that more than Haley. Haley had a, a faux pas in Iowa, essentially say the people of New Hampshire would correct whatever Iowa does, which was one, an admission she's not going to do well there, which why are you spending money in Iowa attacking DeSantis? Let him have it. Um, because then that helps you in New Hampshire. It frees up your resources. You don't have to campaign in Iowa. You campaign in New Hampshire. Uh, you grow your vote there. He grows his vote in, in Iowa, but they can't seem to do it. Of course, the, the DeSantis team pushes that, well, Haley is doing this because she's really running to be Trump's vice president, which is not true. She actually is running to be president. But she absolutely, I think, would, if you offered it, be vice president. Now, there is a... a um, effort behind the scenes among Trump supporters to get him to not support Nikki Haley. In fact, Donald Trump Jr., Steve Bannon, and others have been very aggressively uh, pushing that she is unacceptable. However, I am told, and it's been reported in the news, that she is the front runner for VP if Trump is the nominee because he thinks it broadens his coalition. We'll see. All I know is that no one who listens will believe the polls, even if they're right. Unless it tells you what you want to believe. And then you'll believe that portion of the poll that tells you what you want to hear. All I will say is that every single one of these campaigns is conducting polls. And what I find the most notable is the dog that didn't bark. The old Sherlock Holmes story. The dog that didn't bark is none of the campaigns are releasing internal polling that combats the public polling narrative that shows Donald Trump with a massive lead. And if they had polling that could do that, they would do that, but they're not. It's like the other dog that didn't bark story this week. You know there was a school shooting in Iowa yesterday, correct? A sixth grader lost his life. Four others, including a principal, were wounded. And the media is not doing wall-to-wall coverage of it. Now, you know if it was a white male MAGA shooter, we would be in copious coverage, and the president's speech tonight from Valley Forge would be about the shooting and how we need gun control. But none of them are doing it. They've moved on from it. Why do you think that is? Could it be that the shooter turns out to be a member of the alphabet gang, identified as trans, used he-they pronouns, this is all the, out there now. You know and I know that the shooter was not your standard white male shooter because the media did the perfunctory check the box, we can say we covered the story, and they moved on from it. There are no gun control roundtables tonight, no lectures from Democrats. The president of the United States isn't addressing the nation. It's because of who the shooter was, the intersectional narration of the news media writes how they cover school shootings these days. Y'all have a good weekend. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. 
Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.